0: The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you've got to go check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders tell me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before that I had to go check them out myself. Salespeople using Scipio see a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that means more conversations, which we all know means more sales. Listen, everything has changed in the last year. And that means the way you connect with customers needs to change too. Scipio has the best automated texting platform for building personalized relationships at scale that I have ever seen. But don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio at Scipio.com and use the code SPRINGFREE for one month on the plan of your choice, courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio, S-K-I-P-I-O.com and use SPRINGFREE to find out just how good a modern messaging platform can be. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you need someone to talk shop with, I've got you. If you want to become an elite, legendary sales leader for the team you lead, hit me up. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen, and remember, don't worry, we got you. Be all right. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by John Seelig. John helps sales teams better understand their buyers through the lens of humor. After 12 years of tech sales with companies like Oracle and other high-growth companies, John's learned the process of crafting humor and how it can help create memorable connections with prospects and customers. Now, today, John gets to help sales teams worldwide find unique ways to capture the attention with people they hope to work with and connect with in memorable ways. I first became aware of John as I watched him present at an AAISP conference in Chicago several years ago. Since then, I've had a chance to meet him, become friends with him, become a big fan of his work, and and watch just how good he is at helping salespeople move past the punchlines, and start developing robust pipelines. Now I can tell you to all of our listeners, we are in for a real treat for the conversation we're going to have today. John is an awesome guy. He's one of my favorite ones to talk with. I'm pumped to have him joining us as we're going to have an important conversation about something that I think will make all of you better. And that's how do we become more relatable to our audiences? John, welcome to our show. Thanks for joining us, man.
1: Thank you for having me. And right now I think I need some scuba gear because I'm drowning in your praise. And that is so kind of you. I really appreciate that.
0: It's heartfelt, man. And like I said, I, I enjoyed, like you were the first person ever I saw breach this, this topic. And it was in Chicago. I went home, I connected with you. I started following you. I love what you do. Outreach what you did out there was really, really cool i'm glad to have you why don't you introduce yourself let's start the show by you introducing yourself and and exactly what it is you're doing for customers
1: yeah absolutely uh so hey everybody my name is john selig like rob said uh and for those of you watching this on video yes i do live in a comedy club from the 1980s and in (laughs) short uh i figured i'd throw that in for rob uh in short look i sold technology for about a dozen years in all and uh, it was a really well-paid internship for my career in, uh, in mainly unpaid stand-up comedy. Uh, I, was, I was selling Oracle, data warehousing and solutions, and ERP. And I just kind of wanted a new challenge in life. Uh, you know, money's great and all. and We sort of need it and love it. But, uh, you know, there was a hole in the soul. And I started pursuing comedy not to become a full-time professional comedian, but just to sort of take my skill set and um, you know, career in different directions. I figured I'd immerse myself in a challenging, tough environment and see what kind of learning can come out of it. And right out of the gate, the first time I did stand up for a live audience, I said, oh, my God, this is a sales job. Everyone in the front row had their arms folded like when I would be in a boardroom, exactly like Rob is doing in a boardroom with six guys who look like Rob. Uh, uh, six people f- have their arms fully folded, looking at me. I'm the third vendor that procurement is forcing them to sit through a presentation from. And they're looking at me like, what is this young, early 30s guy going to tell us that we don't already know? And well, I'd use humor to kind of break the ice. And I realized how certain sales messaging is predictable and repeatable. And then when I started doing stand-up, I said, oh, my God, it's the same thing. Develop predictable, relevant, repeatable messaging that connects with your audience and that triggers their emotions. So today I work with sales teams to help to help do all that so sales reps can keep their day jobs.
0: Have you always been inclined to just humor been a part of your life always? Or how did you kind of like there's a lot of people that probably just like, you know, lots of athletes want to be rappers, lots of rappers want to be athletes. Do lots of salespeople want to be comedians? I mean, is that how does that work?
1: Um, it's a good question. I, for my own I can't speak to everyone else, but personally, sure. uh, I grew up in a household with one parent who liked to joke around, the other one was a little bit more serious. So you tend to sort of gravitate towards the one who's probably a little bit more fun. Um, and nice. just develop a sense of humor uh, in that regard. I always had funny friends, and I was never the funniest guy growing up, at least in my mind. But I go to high school reunions. And I'd be speaking to people, and they were like, you were always really funny in high school. But I remember myself being quiet and introverted and terrified of everybody. But I guess I sort of used humor unknowingly to diffuse certain situations. Um, And and then as I got older, and I was a little bit more confident in myself, I've never been like the life of the party. I'm not the funniest guy uh, probably you'll ever even have on a podcast, to be quite honest. But I know how to put together uh, relevant, relatable messaging when I go on stage for a live audience, string it all together and drive laughs. So I just knew that like, look, selling ERP, selling data warehousing, it's challenging uh, both intellectually and from a um, financial perspective. But it, for me, it just sort of, it, it, it wasn't enough. I wanted to use my brain in ways that amuse myself a little bit more. And there's zero money in stand standup. Um, but I decided to just like, you know, screw it. I don't need money. It's, 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 it's overhyped. It's overrated. And that's a lie. I told myself for a while, (laughs) Um, you you know, which is now why I do what I do because I kind of get the best of both worlds. I get to, to do what I love by helping sales teams craft humor and show them the process of it. Yep. uh, Make people laugh and at the same time, help them um, with their own sales efforts.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Let's back up a little bit farther. I mean, how did you get into sales? I always love having our guests kind of just, the, the short Reader's Digest version. I mean, I haven't met many people that said, I grew up wanting to be in sales, right? I mean, we're getting that to change now, but when I grew up, man, I it wasn't going to be in sales. How, how'd you fall into that?
1: I, I had a headset in the womb, Rob. That's where I'm different than everyone else. <laughs> uh, just, you know, from day one, I was a cold calling as a baby on my Fisher Price phone, which is actually a friend of mine used that exact image in a joke. Um, no, in all seriousness, what's the most common answer you get,
0: Rob? Um, it's, it's all over the place. Usually people needed a job and they f- kind of fell into it and they liked the money or they liked the lifestyle or they found the, 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 uh, you know, working with people they liked for me, it was, I got a degree in marketing and the only job that I could get with, you know, was a sales job and I never looked back. So we
1: have the same story ultimately, uh, it okay. took a bit more of a roundabout way to get there. I want to be in marketing in the, uh, the late, uh, the late nineties. I sort of didn't have the the necessary skills back then. Like I didn't have graphic design skills and I didn't want to be an account executive in an ad agency, but I had what turns out is copywriting skills and creativity. Um, But I ended up, uh, you know, after failing in the job market a little bit, there was this small startup called Oracle and they were a company you may have heard of. That's it. And um, they were looking for business development consultants. And I figured, okay, I'm going to develop this company's business so hard. I'm going to take them to the next level. Um, And then I, I, I walked into the interview and there was like, 50 other people there they were hiring their first round of what what is today known as an sdr yep and i remember like the the director of inside sales at oracle she was there to speak to us all at once she goes this is the telemarketing arm of oracle and i had two business degrees i have an mba i almost walked out right there the moment i heard the word telemarketing but there was this weird little voice in the back of my head that said you've heard of this company they're global they're successful shut the hell up sit down listen Go through this process i prepped for the interview i did the work they want us to develop a powerpoint presentation uh sort of um um tar- like uh present something to them and, and ultimately sell them on a concept i did all the work and i just said just don't be a dummy don't leave just do this and even before they assigned me to interview with somebody i presented to the person who was going to be my boss i presented a friend's startup business idea um cool. and, and bottom line was i said do you have any questions when i was done presenting and his Texas accent, he said, I don't know what you just told me, but you're going to fit in fine around here.
0: <laughs> what a great story, man.
1: And, and, and I, I took the job. I actually liked the fact that um, cold calling was predictable. Like I knew what I had to do to, to, to not only earn my money, but to keep my job and to advance. And after a year, I moved into inside sales at Oracle. And then after another year and a half of that, I joined an Oracle partner in Montreal and I spent six and a half years building up, uh, build, helping helping them build that organization.
0: Well, I appreciate you joining us today, man. I love your background. Thanks for sharing your story. And um, I- I'm excited. I mean, that getting your background like that makes this even more interesting to me because Oracle is known as really people that help pioneer that whole SDR function. And, um, and so you've been part of that from the, the get-go. You've seen it develop. You have an amazing context. That's why I think that your insights are going to be so helpful. So I'm excited. Let's start by talking about the state of the selling world right now. How hard is it, John? I mean, you work with companies all over the place. In fact, I'm going to tell people more than once today, go to John's website, go go to johnselig.com. You're going to see some really cool things about the kind of work John does. Um, It's a noisy place right now, John. I mean, how hard is it for people to cut through that noise? Well, it's pretty hard uh, because occasionally I get hired
1: to to help them do it. So uh, who knew that was even possible? Uh, you know, I have this expression when I when I started at Oracle, I had like I said, I had a bachelor's in business and I had a master's in business. I had done some consulting work, but then I'm being asked to call up a CFO at a five hundred million dollar manufacturer to talk to them about either global consolidation or financial forecasting, budging and planning. And I'm terrified. I don't really like sure. I've taken accounting and finance. But I don't really know anything about the blood and guts of what this, this person I'm I'm dialing is really trying to do with their day. And, you know, like we have this rough idea and we're getting trained all the time. An oracle, you're drinking from the fire hose. So even though they supply you with all kinds of good um, playbooks and uh, call scripts and cheat sheets, uh, at the end of the day, it's terrifying to call these people. And we look at today's modern sales landscape. There's a gazillion startups funded by, God knows how many VCs and they're all on a timeline to scale within three years. And that, you know, that, that drives a lot of decision-making including who we're going to hire and in what numbers and, and sometimes an inability to really get our reps trained up adequately to call C-level folks or, or VPs. And, you know, that I have this expression, most sales pros sell stuff they've never used to people whose jobs they've never had in industries they've never worked and that makes it really hard for someone who's right at a college, an SDR, or even an AE, to connect and have a meaningful business discussion with that prospect. Um, so, and and prospects smell that they smell the the hacks and the templates and, and the tricks that 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 some some are kind of putting out there. They're, they smell the shortcuts, and there is no shortcut to understanding who your buyer is, what they're trying to achieve, the problems you solve how those problems are in the way of them reaching their desired end state and ultimately how you can help them remove those roadblocks. There's no, until all that subject matter mastery
0: happens, it's going to be hard for sales reps to stand out. I think you're dead on. And I think, I think I want to sit on that for a minute, John, you made a really, really great insight. Most people are selling to people in roles and have jobs that they've never done and pressures that they've never had to face and challenges <clears throat> that they're not up against. And as a result, they resort to, I don't know, the script, I guess, maybe buzzwords, um, things that if used incorrectly, I think it can actually make someone want to never speak with you,
1: right? Ab- absolutely. Like they, they know when you are, are consultative and a subject matter expert versus someone reading something that was, was scripted for you.
0: Yeah, so I'm thinking about my sales leaders. We got sales leaders all around the world listening to you right now, John. <clears throat> and they're probably some of them nodding their head going, yeah, that makes sense. So so how do you help a team overcome that? How do you help them start to learn more, uh walk in their shoes, understand who they are? How do you, how do you help them do that? Because that's a big problem that I don't know if there's an easy solution to it. Nothing's easy. I think we we've nice.
1: You know, that was, that was one of those two lessons that my dad taught me. Nothing's easy and nothing's, life isn't fair. Those are my two favorite life lessons from my dad, who uh, wasn't big on life lessons, shall we say, but uh, great dad nonetheless. Um, look, I, it's really interesting because when I started writing comedy, I was writing things that were funny to me that I felt people would relate to. But then when I go on stage, I found sometimes they didn't find them very funny and or they weren't relating to the, those, those concepts I was putting forward. Um, and I started to watch more shows. Um, you know, when you're on shows, you're watching, you really, especially when you're starting out, should be watching other comedians. And I learned something that the great comedians, um, it's not just because they're funny at the core of it. They're relevant and relatable to their audience. Mm. And they're triggering their emotions through the ideas they're putting forth. And at the same time, that I watch bad comedians and I learn way more from watching really bad comedians and why they're not connecting with audiences than I did from watching the great ones. The great ones make it look like magic. The bad ones you can see they're taking too long. They haven't gotten to a punchline. They're talking about topics. The audience has acknowledged they don't care about. There's, there's one comedian I know who'll say, Hey, who's a big fan of pro wrestling and no one applauds. He goes tough. I'm doing five minutes of that stuff about, about pro wrestling anyway. Mm. And that means you're not listening. That means you don't care about your customers. You're delivering products and solutions to them that they don't want or need. They've, they've already told you, I'm not in the market for this. Go away. And they you just keep pitching them, right?
0: So what's the business version of that? So you, I like how you draw. Like, I know you have watched your stuff. I, I, I want to maybe you can help me with this a little bit. Like you just said, a good comedian should watch other comedians. A good comedian needs to connect the audience. So a good salesperson, can they watch other salespeople? How, how do you watch the day in the life of a customer? How how do you learn that stuff? How do you get to that point where you can be more relatable? If you haven't walked in their shoes, what can they do to make it e- become easier to relate to the prospects and the clients?
1: I mean, I think at the end of the day, we're consult salespeople have to be consultative. We're we're, we're hyper niche business consultants for small problems that our tools and solutions solve. And we don't have to know everything about business. We have to know everything about the problems we solve, who they affect, what are the ripple effects of not solving those problems, who are the stakeholders involved. And in short, you know, from from a selfish perspective here, um, the process of figuring out how can I evoke an emotional reaction in my buyer, um, you know, going through the process of figuring out how can I do that, is pretty much the same as how comedians write jokes for their audience. So how can we be relatable to them and relevant? And how can we understand who our audience is in the first place and what they're looking to get out of the night? So if I walk into a room, and I apologize if I'm, I'm going a bit off track here. No, do it. Um, if I walk into a, to a bar Yep. Uh, in, in, I don't know, in some <clears> large city, and it's all people of a certain generation – um, there's probably certain references and material I'm going to need to pull out of my act right before I go on stage because they're not going to get it. And I'm just going to be eating into my time. If I don't make them laugh, they tune out. So first step is who is our audience? And I mean, it's so much easier in the business world in sales to know who your audience is than in stand-up. Stand-up, it's unpredictable. It varies night to night, room to room. I've done gigs in a certain bar where I think, oh, clientele is all young. And then I show up and it's, it's all white-haired people. In that same place that same night two months later you know and we don't know why but in sales if if our job is to call up a cfo a cio director of human resources these are predictable personas we know what they're trying to achieve we know how they're measured or our job is to understand all that we can we can determine all this and we can tailor our message based on those characteristics of that particular audience so
0: you you have a question it looks like no No. you finish keep going i i I like where you are
1: so once i know what they're trying to achieve and i could map out all the different things that prevent them from getting there i then need to isolate well how can i remove one of those things for them to help them get to where they want to go and you know good comedians are often like i said triggering emotions with their audience jerry seinfeld's known for going don't you hate it when Or, you know what sucks keeps me up at night? Or, you know what sucks? And by taking that thing that sucks for them and getting a little creative with it and building it out and using it to paint a picture of what can happen if they don't solve the problem, you create messaging that is memorable and that that, that triggers your buyers, like I said, emotions.
0: I like that a lot. And so I think that sometimes there's so much pressure on, activity, that we confuse activity for accomplishment. And I would rather do fewer connects with people that I know more about than more connects with people that I'm just making assumptions about. And um, is that part of the problem? Do you think, is there anything that sales leaders, if you're thinking, I want to have a team that does a better job at connecting to their audience, does it start with making that the, the starting point rather than the activity or the volume level. It's the process of of getting ready. I mean, you talked about the process of humor. We're going to get to the process of humor in a second, sure. because you do a lot more than humor. You're about connecting and being relevant, right? That's that, And humor is part of that for you. Um, let's maybe that's a good way to get into that. I mean, what's a sales leader to do. I got a team. Everybody's trying to build more pipeline right now. Generally speaking, pipeline is always one of the top issues that everyone faces. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, how, how, where does the sales leader's role start in that? I mean, if you're a sales leader, what are some things you should be thinking about if you're thinking about this topic?
1: You know, I'll, I'll go a little bit off my own script, so to speak. And look, if I'm a sales leader, my job is to arm my team with the right knowledge, insight, understanding about who my buyers are and, and why some, some investor decided to give my company a pile of money. Like, what is the market opportunity here? There's a problem that every, you know, um, target persona struggles with or has struggled with at some point. Um, and obviously my solutions, which someone, you know, said, said, you know what? I like I like what you're doing because this is the market opportunity. That needs to be communicated, like pounded into every sales rep's brain. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I like think that reps- a lot. That's awesome, by the way. Because I'm not your classic sales guy. Like, I don't, you know, and what I do, I've, I don't use sales methodology techniques anymore. I have conversations with my prospects trying to unpack their problems a little bit. And, you know, I'm looking myself for like, where can I, which problems can I remove for them? Which can I eliminate for them? And then ultimately what's the dollar value associated with that? Um, it's really basic. Like my, my beliefs in sales are, you know, pretty, pretty elementary. I, I don't, I don't view my sales views as, as very revolutionary, how I connect with buyers. That, that's where it's a little different. But I from I, I did a last summer, I was experimenting with live classes for individuals, and I had eight sales reps, SD all SDRs on the call. And I asked them, what's your opening line? When we were introing each other, when they, we, when they were introducing themselves, I asked them, what's your opening line? Like someone answers the phone. What are you hitting them up with? And seven out of eight of them use a very familiar script okay. that we've all heard a gazillion times. And I'm just, you know, and I, I looked at all of them. I said, like, why would, if, if I was your buyer, why would I take your call? You haven't told me anything about how you're going to help. You haven't even dropped a clue about that. You, you're just asking for permission. And there is something honorable and noble about that. But to me, they answered the phone. They've kind of given you permission intuitively. Yeah. Um, and I just think, I think if reps had more confidence in the subject matter uh, of the problems they solve for their buyers and who their buyers are, they'd have so much more confidence in picking up the phone, sending out emails, running demos, what have you. Um, and to your point, there's a lot of metrics imposed on, on managers and reps. And there's no time to master all that stuff we talked about. So to to, to cap off a long-winded answer to your question, there's a lot of garbage in, garbage out.
0: I like it. So, John, let's get into, like, a little bit more about you. I love you. are The only person I've ever met in the world that talked about the process of humor, right? You should have like a registered trademark on that, man. And I uh, should go to your website. It's like the, the process of humor, registered trademark mark.com. All of it's there, right? Can you, can you talk a little bit about that and, and how that helps you be relatable? And, 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 cause I don't think that you're saying everyone should try to be a stand up comic. Cause honestly, if humor is used wrongly, wrongly is a bad word. If it's used the wrong way, uh, that's going to make people never want to talk to you again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: so I like to use the phrase roasting your prospects pain." That's the one I'm, that's the one that's going to get trademarked. Um, and so, and so writing it down. Yeah, exactly. If you've ever watched a a comedy roast, um, what would you, have you ever,
0: you've watched those, right? Of course. Yeah, of course. What's happening in a comedy roast? They are taking obvious things about other people, and they're turning them into jokes. You know, like one of the like I'm thinking of like people like for former President Donald Trump, it was always his hair, right? That, that orange hair kind of thing. Yeah.
1: So they're taking, and sometimes it goes a little more than just their physical appearance, right? To maybe right, it's right. personal that happened in their life, um, and, and so really what they're doing is they're delivering painful truths through humor. Through the, through the structure of a joke. And just to be clear, when I say a joke, I'm not talking about a long-winded street joke, as they call it, where a rabbi, a priest, and, and a minister walk into a bar, and the bartender says offensive things to all of them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just a, a one, two, or three sentence. Um, th- one, two, or three sentences. Painful truth. Yes that provides some information to the listener about what this is going to be about, and then the punchline comes along and surprises them and paints a picture of why that sucks. That's usually the that's the best way to, to define a joke. So there's surprise, there's pain, there's truth. I like to say that com- in business, comedy is tragedy that repeats itself. So I remember when I was... Uh, selling Oracle planning and budgeting solutions. I'd call up a controller because they were kind of easier to get a hold of than a CFO. Yep. And I'd ask them, are you using Excel to do your planning and budgeting? And is that causing man, you know, all kinds of errors and data and reporting and and it's like I triggered them. All of a sudden I'm their therapist. And they're saying, oh my God, we've been struggling with for the last four years. I used to use this solution at my old company. I've been telling the CFO that we need to look at this. And he's like, nah, it's all good. We got other problems. But he was he was painting the picture of how much damage doing their planning and budgeting in Excel was. And I'm just jotting notes. I'm just taking down everything he's saying, which I'm then going to give to uh, a solutions consultant to ultimately build into the demo for when, we, when we're going to show them how we're going to solve these problems. So I triggered him. Um, and so... Forget jokes for a moment. Okay. But the journey to writing those jokes requires, and I've said this already in this podcast, insight and understanding and observation about who our audience is, what they're trying to achieve, what keeps them up at night, what 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 what, 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 what they're afraid of, what they're nervous about, what they just hate or fr- or struggle with, what what they love, what they what they want, what they need. If we can understand all this stuff about them we're in a position to craft a message that flicks on one of those emotional switches with them and trying to take the problems that we can solve for them. um, This whole process of writing jokes unpacks all kinds of specifics around the pain points that we solve for them. And then once you learn jokes, jokes are formulas by nature. And once you apply some of the formulas to what you've crafted on, what you've dumped out on a piece of paper, you're in a position to start assembling the, the puzzle pieces together to putting putting a message together that is relevant and memorable. And that gets hopefully a reaction, even if they don't laugh hard, it's going to be different than all the other outreach that they're receiving. It's going to be relevant to them. And um, if you can get them laughing even better.
0: So how, how, how do you, how do you teach that? I mean, I, I love what you've said here. I've got, I mean, no kidding, dude. I've burned up like a whole page of notes already. Okay. And and <clears throat> I'm putting myself in the shoes of the people that are listening, right? They're <clears throat> they're out walking their dog or they're whatever they're doing right now as so they listen to us. And again, they got a team of eight, 10, 12 people that they lead. And the messaging, your outreach, all that, that's so important. It's critical. Um, is it as simple as just start just find a couple of problems and then kind of reconstruct it through the form of something funny is, is that, is it that simple? Really?
1: I think the biggest mistake that anyone, not salespeople, even even like new comedians try to do is they try to be funny right out of the gate with okay. what it is they want to say. But the reality is let's just get our points down on paper. What do we want our audience to take away from a brief interaction? What is the one thing that we want to impress upon them and usually from, from how I was trained to sell, it's like, look, as a, as a CXO, I know you struggle with problem X. And problem X is, is really the starting point for writing the joke. Like, what do we want to say about that joke? What do we want to say about, about problem X? How is it affecting their lives? What, what's going to happen if they don't solve the problem? Who's, effect, who's going to be affected by it? Um. What Again, which, which emotional switches does it flick on? And like I said, jokes are formulas. There's only about 10 of them. Really? So they're pretty widely available online. To wow, okay. Google joke formulas, go find them. Um, I, te- I teach a handful. And a-, a very common approach to writing a joke is comparing one thing, the thing you want to highlight, to something completely different. Just a simple analogy. And very often words used to describe problems can be that 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 what I call a fulcrum or anchor word to building a joke. So for example, if I'm calling up a CRO, I like I like starting a a cold call with a joke about how this is a cold call. Okay. But I want it to be relevant to them. Okay. So I've written a bunch of these jokes that I'm I'm just testing here and there when I have time to prospect these days. So imagine I'm calling up a CRO and I say, hey, Rob, this is John Seelig. We've never spoken before. So this call will be colder than the relationship between sales and marketing.
0: Okay. <laughs> and so why are you laughing? Because it's, it's a reality that people talk about. I mean, it's almost over-talked about sometimes, right? right? And it's something that everybody that's a sales leader or a marketing leader has had to listen to. Uh, there's been who knows how many webinars on it. There's been who knows how many articles on it. Um, it, there is a fact there and people often try to even differentiate themselves by saying we are better at that than everybody else. So uh, yeah, it's, it's like this, it's like cats and dogs sometimes. Yeah. And so
1: that joke is, is highlights a problem that I help yeah. sales teams with. It's like, you know, from one of the things my workshops do, it's team building at the end of the day, it's helping marketers and sales reps learn from each other, share perspectives. And that's just that's just the hook for the reason for my call. So I'm illuminating a problem through a simple comparison joke that compares how cold my call is to something kind of emotional and real.
0: Okay, so like jokes,
1: but, but there's other kinds of jokes that you can write, and it doesn't have to be around like a cold call.
0: It's uh, you know that's worth- what I was going to ask you. Is there a right and a wrong part of the sales process to use something like this? Um. Look, I think
1: the best spot for it is cold outreach, personally. I mean, that's where I believe jokes are meant to be short. They're meant to be delivered quickly. Like, again, there's a reason why you don't start a cold call with uh, uh, a rabbi, a priest, and a, and a minister walking into a bar because they're going to be like, what the hell? But it's also offensive right. and inappropriate. Right, but, yeah. But, but, but good jokes. Like, look at Twitter. Twitter's popularity, so much of it is is from comedians. They learned how to craft really short Hundred and forty character jokes. Today we're up to two eighty, but I still try to write my jokes in one hundred and forty characters or less. Information subversion of expectations. Period. Um, so cold outreach, and and you know I, I was reading uh, about the podcast, and you're trying to help sales leaders do things that are both um, repeatable and predictable. Yes. And when you when you're watching a stand-up comedian on Netflix. In, the, in one of their specials, they're not making it up. They're not improvising. This isn't new jokes that they've done five times. These are jokes that they've been telling for a year at this point. And mm. it's very much a funnel approach, the whole writing jokes. You're going to write 30 jokes. Five of them are going to be good. I don't know what the what that math is, but you have to write a lot more jokes. Like Like if I write two jokes and I go on stage and they both fail, I have nothing else for my next time on stage. I could fix those jokes and hope they work next time, but... You know, I need to write a bunch of material. Choose some that are precious to me. Like, it's kind of like opportunities. Which deals do I want to work on and evolve into something that's going to pay off? Which are my customers going to buy? Um, and, and so, write jokes or humor. They're repeatable. And there's a reason why I told you that colder than the relationship between sales and marketing joke. It's because it's 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 predictable. Your reaction is my is relatively predictable not everybody laughs but it beats can I have X amount of your time to tell you why
0: I'm calling yeah I like it and if you can take a runway that might if you have like a 10 second runway if you can make it sixty seconds you can you can increase it from 10 seconds to a minute you've just given yourself a way better chance right
1: yeah absolutely so if you can if you can open the door with the humor, and they're laughing, they they will give you that time. So to answer your previous question, I think humor writing um, forces you to, again, master your subject matter en route to packaging up something funny and relevant and is ideal for prospecting, however, doesn't mean that another kind of joke that maybe a sales team puts together can't be used on a demo to highlight certain functionality uh, about how it handles certain problems, which – Maybe they mentioned a discovery, which, but which weren't their core concern going into the call. You can use jokes to handle objections. Um, you, you know, again, jokes are scripted and I don't mean script like you're reading like a robot, but at the same time, it's, it's repeatable and hopefully more reps can find that one go-to joke bit of humor that resonates with their buyers and says something relevant
0: and relatable to them. And I guess you just have to use common sense, I guess. Is that the only other lens you look through is, like you said, don't be offensive, and I guess you're allowed to be a little bit hokey because you're trying to laugh, or, or do you have to have a filter on that? Uh,
1: look, there's all kinds of things we would I, – I, I, ref, I refuse to encourage reps to say to their buyers, we do not want to offend them in any way at all. Okay, They are not a stand-up comedy audience. I know this is a hot debate. Why can't comedians make jokes anymore? Guess what? Sales reps, they're not comedians. And your prospects aren't paying for a show. They're not paying Mm. to laugh. You're interrupting their day with your outreach. It better be clean. It better not reference anything to do with anyone's gender, culture, religion, um, um, anything about their ethnicity, anything about their sexual orientation. If they come from a disadvantaged or, or marginalized community, Um, or or, or we never want to mock anyone's physical appearance or their life circumstances. You just want to keep it business and PC. And to your point, I'd rather see someone craft something that's a little hokey, a little eye rolling. And it's not what I encourage. I actually want to go for the, the surprise and the punchline. But when, when in my workshop, sometimes reps like to lean on puns, I don't teach puns, but sometimes they use them. And I'm like, you know what?
0: Go for it. It'll, it'll get the smile is humor a good follow-up tool put it in your follow-up stuff as well or or is it better live i i don't do much
1: of that i don't teach that kind of stuff but i think at the end of the day like like i have one joke i use for follow-ups and it's not quite a it's not really a follow-up but it's it's when someone's kind of gone cold on me yeah i'll just and, and, and i'll just put it out there for the whole world to use i don't care uh I, I, you know i in the subject line it's like like with bad. i put like with bad starbucks wi-fi dot 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 they open it up it says dot 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 i'd love to reconnect this <laughs> is rob listen it's been a while like yeah and, <clears throat> and,
0: and, but that's I, a great know, example of like something that makes someone laugh it's not hokey it's not over the top all it does is is break down a little bit of barriers so that's all it does right
1: yeah, and I mean, it's a little hokey. Let's let's be frank. You don't have to be super polite. It's not like the joke I'm most proud of, but it's different than like you know, did you fall into an alligator pit or whatever? That's stupid.
0: Yeah, and I hate. See, that's what I'm referring to. I guess. Yeah. there's some really dumb things like, oh, it's one of these three things, and you got to eat by alligators. No, I hate that. Like, there was a time that everybody was doing that, and and I can't believe that it ever worked because it must have because like I had like 200 people do that to me, and um. I'm shocked by it. That's why I asked the question. Like, it's, I guess, I just got to be you. You got to be authentic to you, right?
1: Well, look, you actually touched on something that, that drives me nuts is everyone's copying everyone else because they heard it worked somewhere else. But then all of a sudden, every buyer is receiving the exact same messaging from every rep that's trying to get a hold of them. How is anyone supposed to stand out if no one puts any creativity or energy into tailoring something for that specific buyer? And it's, yeah. and- if you can be the one that's different, that offers them something unique in your messaging, more often than not, they will give you the time if you've actually touched on a relevant business
0: issue. So that's what I like. It's a relevant business issue. You've, you've demonstrated that you understand it to some degree because you can joke about it. Um, and it differentiates you. It's like you said, I'm not asking for 15 minutes or whatever. It's, it's, it's something different. Let's start to wrap this. We're about out of time is there anything that you would say to the sales leaders that are listening to right now? Hey, if you want to start being better at this, try these one or two things and whatever you do, don't do these one or two things. And if we've talked about, it, it's great, but I love to try to summarize that a little bit here as, as we wrap it up.
1: I mean, I would challenge your reps to put on their creative hats and how can they package up a message, a short quick message that perhaps they can all steal from each other. Um, because if I'm calling a prospect uh, that's not in the same patch as my colleagues, well, maybe my colleague's great one-liners going to waste. Great way to connect with a buyer. So maybe start getting the reps to, to collaborate and, and to think about this a little bit more. I um, mean, quite frankly, that's what I facilitate and do for a living. So yes. that's a whole different discussion. But, uh, but, but really people, I, I see a lot of marketing folks writing messaging for SDRs, let's say. Um, I mean, marketers usually have never spoken to a customer. And, and, and sure, they get all kinds of feedback, but there's something that's missing. Uh, there's a lot of buzzwords involved. And I just think we have to get as real and, and cutting with our messaging as possible. So I think the
0: first step is to gather the truth. I like that. John, you've been awesome. I always wrap everything, every episode with a kind of a rapid fire. If, if uh, I, I never prepare anybody for it, so... You up for it? Three questions, real fast. I guess I guess I have no choice but to say, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay, let's do it, man. <laughs> if I back up? <laughs> you can you can back out. You can say no. You can be the first one to say no. Uh, it's fine. Bring it on. I mean, this is terrible. <laughs> biggest uh, sales leadership challenge that you see as you work with sales teams right now. What's the biggest sales leadership challenge you see? And any suggestions how you beat it?
1: I think I think growing pipelines the biggest challenge that every fragmented, niche technology company, in particular, has to face just how to, how to, how to break through the noise and and have meaningful business conversations.
0: I like it. And you're right. It will never go away. I mean, teams always are going to have to have pipeline when you're building teams. Is there like a characteristic or something that you profile for or look for as you interview for people that you're building sales teams with? Is there anything that you think makes for a really good salesperson as you're looking to build a team?
1: Yeah. I mean, as a guy who's
0: built, Zero sales
1: teams. I uh, had a count in my head. How many I built? <laughs> I mean, I just want the people who are kind of like, like if I was to hire. So this is like, you guys, everyone listening, take this for what it's worth. I kind of want the most flexible, nimble people, the best learners, um, the people who would be able to, again, look at any business issue I toss them and figure out how to break it down and uh, figure out why my company um, can help them solve the problem. I, you know. There has to be the hunger there too. There has to be the desire to deal with the, 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 the rejection because that that, that's a reality in sales. We need that thick skin. But I just, I just want the smartest people.
0: Well, the reason I was excited to ask you was because you work with a lot of teams. And so you, you've seen people that can adapt and you've seen people that, so I love that you said that nimbleness. Uh, that's, that's good. Okay, last one. We found that great leaders are quite often readers. And, and, and by that, it's because they are never done with their journey. they're always looking to learn. They're looking to add more. And that's why I think a lot of our leaders are going to be really excited about what you bring to the table, John, because most of the time they haven't really considered that as something that can have a process. Do you have anything that you would suggest that someone gets their hands on if they want to advance and continue their leadership journey? Other than my blog? Tell us where your blog is, because that's perfect. How do we get more of you? How do we get more of you? How do they connect to you? Um, how do they pick up the conversation, bring you in if they want to start to dive into more of what you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and no apologies whatsoever for the shameless self-promotion. I mean, I'm Canadian, no. so uh, we're really proving that we're just not as polite as you think we're just pros at being passive-aggressive. Um, and then we
0: had Australia on the air last week. We got Canada on the air this week. We're, we're, we are a global, uh, we're global over here at the Sales Leadership Podcast, man.
1: You're a global force to be reckoned with. Um yes, and so am I for that matter. No, I, it, it, this is like ridiculous bravado at this point. Um, JohnSeelig.com is my website. There is no H in John. Uh, so it's J-O-N-S-E-L-I-G.com. And just find me on LinkedIn. That's really the best spot. I post
0: on LinkedIn roughly three times a week. Rob and I have done a video together. You've got some good stuff on LinkedIn, man. you got some funny stuff on there. You you live your brand, man. You, you, you definitely live your brand. I'm, I'm going to tell everyone... Go find yes, and we do have a good. We have a the sea was angry, my friend. Episode uh, together that was fun. You you nailed that, by the way, Rob. Rob uh, was was. uh, I I have this
1: uh, web series that I created, Unleashed 2019, called Second Opinion, where sales reps ask my obnoxious alter ego, who is uh, in his own mind uh, God's gift to sales, uh, all kinds of sales questions, and he gives the world's worst. Uh, advice in his mind. It's a little unconventional, and unorthodox. And then the reps, they're kind of not on board. And then folks like Rob offer a second opinion. So maybe, maybe I'll post that on LinkedIn uh, in the coming days. Well, I'm
0: excited to have you, John. John, this was fun. This was even more fun than I thought it would be. Any final thoughts as we're going to wrap this? It's been a really great conversation. I love the idea of trying to be more relatable by being maybe just a little more disarming uh, as you kind of take a, an angle of smiling at what we're up against. And if there's one thing that I can't wait to learn more about from you, it's how do we roast people? How do we roast prospects pain? The idea of roasting prospects pain was something that I will remember for a long time.
1: No, that's good. I mean, again, I guess the one thing, final point I want to impress is I, I don't proclaim that every sales rep needs to take a crafted joke and use it. And all of a sudden, like you said, become a stand up comedian. I I do feel that, um, let's say you got 20 reps, uh, putting them all through the process of understanding the buyer and our relevance to them is going to boost everyone's knowledge and learning. And then if we collaboratively write a few jokes, there's going to be five or seven of them who are like, I'm using this. And they're going to be able to forge those connections while the rest just have an increased enhanced knowledge of what's going on. And I just think the process
0: makes teams stronger. Okay. He is helping salespeople roast prospects pain all around the world. He is John Seelig. If you haven't connected with him, you need to. Uh, he will help you bring a different approach to being relatable to your clients. I have found the things he does help me. I am confident you'll find the same thing with yourself. John, thank you for joining me today. And as I say to everybody, my friend, happy selling. Thank you so much, Rob. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I wanna thank my friends at Scipio for their ongoing support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Texting is one of the last platforms where you can really differentiate how you engage your customers. I'm all in on Scipio's mission of getting texting right. I have really dug into their product and I love it. Since we've started this partnership with Scipio, I've had several sales managers hit me up and tell me just how much they like the Scipio platform. Its simplicity, its powerful features, and the impact texting done right creates, it makes this tool a no-brainer for the modern sales org. Listen, not all text messaging platforms are created equal. If you're looking to engage more with your clients and also working to get more prospects to your demos and discovery meetings, start using Scipio. Scipio's platform is the most powerful, most personal one I've ever seen. It's just that simple. I know the team personally, and I know they will give you an amazing experience. Take advantage of a free month with no strings, compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Head to Scipio.com, tell them I sent you by using the code ROB on the signup page. You'll be blown away how quickly the right text platform can change the game for the members of your team. Now, this podcast is also brought to you by my company, the Jepson Performance Group. If you're like most sales leaders, you've been left to figure out your leadership system on your own, and then if that's the case, you need to hit me up. Because while there's no shortcuts to success, you can get there faster if you take the most direct route. If you like the content of this podcast, you're gonna love the content in my community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. It's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. With my very best content, over 100 hours of training materials, and a private podcast for members only, you'll find everything you need in Sales Leadership United. And if you've never had a coach in your corner now is a great time to give it a try. The greatest performers in the world in every discipline invest in themselves. So save your most precious resource, your time. Small improvements create disproportionate results in both sales and sales leadership. And if you can win just a little more and just a little faster, you'll create massive results. If you want to find those small advantages that create massive results, hit me up today. Now, I am so pumped that we got to have John Sealy join us today. I will never forget being at an AAISP national conference where he had a workshop of using humor to differentiate yourself in the sales process. And I went to it not knowing what to expect. I thought it would be a laundry list of jokes that people might use, but I thought wrong. John was all about becoming relatable and relevant to customers and prospects. And his concept of roasting the prospect's pain was something that really spoke to me. Because if you do it right, You can evoke that emotional response with your buyer. And and you've got to create that emotional response if you want to have the best possible chance of creating that connection with your prospect. Because you got to remember, we have to connect before we can try to correct. And too many reps get that backwards, right? They want to create correction and then over time create connection. Those that connect first, they get plenty of opportunities to correct later. So I hope you found John's insights really refreshing. And if you're like me, it was much different than you expected, okay? John isn't here to help us with our stand-up comedy. John is here to help us become better at building uh, relationships, better at being relatable, better at being relevant, and and, and better at creating connection. So... I like that a lot because the faster you connect to what someone cares about, the more successful you will be. I've said that hundreds of times. The only way you're going to be valuable is if you solve a problem someone cares about or you can provide a result someone cares about. And the sooner they realize that you understand what they care about, the more successful you'll be. And John's really right in one of the things he said early in the show. Most people, most salespeople are selling to jobs they've never done, right? They're selling to professionals uh, that are doing work they've never done. And, and the buyers know it, right? I, I get hit up all the time by people don't, that they just don't get what I do or who I am or what, what I'm up against. And the rare times that I find those people that do, I want to talk to those people. I can't get enough of those people. And it's just so easy for your prospects to discount a salesperson because the default is, oh, it's just someone who doesn't get me. Sam McKenna says it best. I love how Sam McKenna says, show me, you know me. Um, it's a great principle. We've talked about it on this podcast before and and John shares a really refreshing way of doing just that. So I don't care if you use humor or not, you're all going to have more success as sales leaders. If you help each rep on your team, learn to connect to people. John encourages us to have conversations and conversations always have been, and always will be King in the world of sales. So I encourage you, to take some time this week to reevaluate how you start the process of connecting with someone. Because the better you start, the better you'll finish. Connection. That's the jam. How do you connect with people? And by the way, did you notice that John refers to his work as the process of humor? Once again, people that are expert at what they do, they don't just show up and wing it. Right? They have process. And as leaders, you need to be sure that you're focused on on the fact that process was what helps you create predictability. If process is good, success is inevitable. If process is weak, success is unsustainable. So this week, take the time to double down on how you're finding ways to connect in ways that are unique. How well can you use the pain of your customers to demonstrate that you get them, that you know them? That's why humor can be so good if you do that. If you can understand their pain so well, you can make a joke that makes them chuckle, you know, That gives them the indicator that maybe you understand them. Maybe you're not just another salesperson. Maybe you're someone that can speak at their level, okay? So don't ever forget this either. The purpose of a call isn't to determine that a prospect can work with you. You should already know that if you've done your pre-call planning and research. The purpose of a call should be to determine if they should work with you. And that's a totally different conversation and it only comes um, if you can have a problem-based approach to everything you do, roasting the pain, as my man, John says, that's just one way for you to demonstrate relevance and relatability. So do yourself a favor and connect with John. He has a ton of resources available on his site, www.johnseelig.com. So shout out to John, man. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate you sharing your insights with sales leaders all around the world. I love what you're doing for the sales community, and I wish you much continued success as you help salespeople roast prospects pain around the world. Thanks also to our friends at Scipio for their support of the podcast. You need to use Texting Right as part of the modern sales process, and Scipio will help you do it better than anyone else can. Take advantage of 30 days for free on me, by going to Scipio.com and using the code name Rob on any of their plans, no strings attached. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you liked this episode, please share it with someone who could benefit from it and keep those five-star reviews coming on iTunes. They go a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world to join the show. So that's it. I want to remind you to be elite, live strong, chase your passions, and don't worry, just execute because as you know, we got you. Thank you so much for joining the sales leadership podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of the sales leadership podcast is brought to you by the Jepson performance group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, Discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event. Hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at J-E-P-P-G dot com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.